0: A beautiful time of worship. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God is so awesome. If you just join me in a moment of prayer. Father, I just ask that uh, as we come before you tonight to worship and adore you and to lay our lives down before you, Lord God, that we would just have a moment of reflection and realize your faithfulness. Your word says that the steadfast love of our God, it never ceases. Your mercies never come to an end. They are new every single morning. So I just pray right now, Lord God, that I would decrease and you would increase, that they would see your word, see the truth of your word, see who you are, and that you want to just draw close tonight, Lord God. That your Holy Spirit is beckoning as a deer that panteth after the water, that you just want those that come and be quenched We pray all these things in the blessed name that's above every other name, King of kings, Lord of lords, the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. You may be seated. I really appreciate what Bob had to say about finances. Um, It was spot on. There was a pastor, though, that he fell out with his church. It was over church policies, and it included how the finances were handled. And after a bitter argument, and many nights that he lost sleep and prayed, he decided that he would leave his congregation. So on Sunday morning, he announced that he would be taking a job as a prison chaplain. And he said, I'm going to preach to you today out of John 14.1 i go to prepare a place for you. You'll get it. (laughs) You know, the Bible is an incredible book, and uh, I would really love sometime just to have an opportunity to to speak to you about how amazing the Scripture really is. But tonight we're going to talk about a a book in the Bible, the book of Jude from chapter 1. And it's an incredible book that sometimes gets overlooked. We're going to talk, talk about the, those other guys. And you'll get my meaning as we go through it. It's got 25 verses, I believe, in the first chapter. But we're only probably going to get through verse 1 or 2 because it's such an amazing book with so much truth in it. And it tells us that Jesus basically had four brothers. Joseph, Simeon, they were half-brothers. James and Jude, or Judah. And he had at least two sisters because it mentions sisters, although it doesn't mention his name or their names. But it's interesting that when he opens up with this particular book, when Jude writes it, that he says, basically, that I'm the brother of James and disciple of Jesus Christ. This is his half-brother, Jesus. But he doesn't take any credit for anything other than saying i've become a believer i've become a follower of jesus christ that he totally recognized jesus as the messiah the long-awaited messiah and that he was going to give himself totally to serving christ and his will was going to be subject to the will of the christ and there's two themes in the book throughout the whole book of jude which is a short book the first is exposing those who aren't telling the truth we're false teachers And the second is really to contend for the faith and remain strong. And he opens up by saying, Greetings to the called. Did you know that you were called by God? That you were called by God's Holy Spirit before the world even began? Did you know that you are significant to God? Incredibly significant? You were chosen by God himself. It's in the scripture throughout from Genesis to Revelation. That he knew you, named you, and called you. The voice of God, the Holy Spirit of God, beckons for us to join his family and to be part of the kingdom of God. That's an amazing, amazing thing to think about. That God himself would, would ask us to come join him. I hope you never, ever recover from that fact that God knows you so intimately. He starts out in verse 1 and says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. Sanctified means that God not only called you, but he set you aside for a purpose, that you are significant. You are significant. And not only that, but he promises to preserve you through all of life and all the challenges and all the things that might come against you. He says, I'm going to make you a, a victor and not a victim. He calls himself a bondservant, somebody who's a leader following Christ. In other words, minister simply means to serve or to render service. And he says, I'm here to, to point you to Christ, the Messiah. And these servant leaders will fit in really well in the book of Revelations in the New Jerusalem Revelation 22, three through five says, and there shall be no more curse, all sins gone. But the throne of God and of the land shall be in it, and his servants shall sure serve him. They shall see his face face to face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. I want you to note that. There'll be no night. They need no light or no lamp from the sun. The Lord God himself is that light. That's significant that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And they shall reign forever and ever with him. Very few books in the New Testament, very few books in the New Testament have more to say about the generation we're living in right now than the book of Jude. Those who would take away from the faith, those who wouldn't tell the truth, really don't like this book it's distasteful to them because it has warnings and it's uncompromising and it says hey the truth of Jesus has to prevail we contend for it we stand for it we stand strong for it but to those who approach the book of Jude with receptive hearts with open hearts like Bob was talking about Jude's words are going to speak really really clearly he's going to make it real clear and they're going to be forceful they're going to be powerful as they were 2,000 years ago, but they're being revealed today. So the first theme in the book of Jude is to to expose those who aren't telling the truth. And he describes them in detail. He gets really down to the nitty-gritty, and there's a whole lot in this that I wish I could go over tonight. You know, the definition of a Christian is simply follower of Christ walking in the way. To be a Christian is to be a follower of Christ, and I want you to think about that. I was asked many years ago to participate with a, a group that had a walk for men and women, and I was with the, the men's group. and It was it was three or four days. It was an awesome group. They really got across the point of God loves you and and the grace of God. It's not by works; it's by grace. And and they. They finally talked me in after a couple of years to go and participate in this for four days and to, you know, to, to be amongst all the people and go through the whole program. And Man, I was excited. We had a blast. I mean, they had a, they had a fun time, and I just thoroughly enjoyed it and really, really got the message of God's grace and God's love. And, but at the end of it, I was kind of surprised because the leaders came to me and said, hey, you know, Pastor Mel, you've went through this, and that's really awesome, and we know you've enjoyed it, but we need you. And I'm like, what do you mean? Well, he said, believe it or not, in our denomination, there are ministers, there are pastors, there are leaders who don't believe Jesus is the Christ. I was like, what? That made no sense to me. It just didn't even compute. I was shocked. I mean, I was really shocked. And they said, no, it's true. We need people who actually believe in God's word and believe that Jesus is the Christ. We're talking about a huge denomination right now that's going through a split. Because some people don't believe that Jesus is actually the Lord and Savior. It's interesting. I I love to listen to the sermons, and and I take notes. And so I'll write things down that Pastor Joe or Doug says, Pastor Doug says, and I did that this last couple of weeks. And I write them down because I don't only want to hear them, but I want to incorporate them into my life. And one of the things that Pastor Joe said this last Sunday was really cool, and it goes along with what I was just saying. He says, it's really good if you believe what you preach. That's kind of important. And believe it or not, there's people out there that don't. It's like, wow, that's amazing. But false teachers aren't just in the, what we call the cults. or They're also in the Christian church, claiming that they're part and parcel. But they're not telling the truth. If you haven't seen The Hiding Place, I highly recommend you watch that movie. It's about World War II and a family of the Ten Boom family They take care of disabled children, and the Nazis invade their country and start taking the Jews, hunting for the Jews, and uh, putting them in concentration camps to kill them. And their family hides them. And one day, a a minister, a man of the cloth, comes to their home, and they beg him to please help the Jewish people, God's chosen people. And he's afraid. He can't do it. He won't do it. He refuses to do it. He lacks character. He lacks integrity. He lacks courage. So, Corey asked her father after this guy leaves, she goes, Dad, Papa, how can a man who represents Christ and yet he allows God's most vulnerable, the weakest, to be taken captive? And I love the response the father gave Corey, just because a mouse is in the cookie jar doesn't make it a cookie. You have to realize that God knows his own. And again, he's called you. I love what Pastor Joe, Joel said this. Joel Merrill said this last Sunday also. He said, love always has to be a choice. We have to receive it. God can say, I want to give it. Well, we've got to receive it. And it's a choice. It's a choice to love God and it's a choice to love others. And when the chips are down on the table and all bets are off, we have to defi- decide, you know, are we going to fold or are we going to stay? We're gonna fold it, we're gonna stay strong with Christ. Pastor Joe mentioned our bodies are a living sacrifice from Romans 12:1. He said, Beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. God wants you alive. In fact, when you come to Christ, you're more alive than any other time in your entire life. And people need to see that life and realize that you've come to accept Him. And that's made a difference in your life. Acceptable, holy reasonable service we've talked about in the past those claims that represent christ now let's talk about those who claim that they're enlightened and they have the only way there was a society that was founded in 1830 by joseph smith 15 million people worldwide and 2 million in asia follow the world's fastest growing christian cult He wrote the Book of Mormon, and there's the Pearl of Great Price and the Doctrine of Covenants, etc. And he claimed that while he was a teenager in New York that he had two visions from God. And that God told him not to be part of any Christian church. And he was to translate the Book of Mormon, which were written on golden plates buried by his house. He published the Book of Mormon in 1830. He also claimed that John the Baptist himself had come and spoken to him, and he wanted him, Joseph Smith, to finish restoring the church to the preaching of the true gospel. So this is the teaching that he thought was the true gospel. He describes God as an exalted man with a human body. An exalted man with a human body, not God. And Jesus is the firstborn of God's spirit children. God in flesh, along with Lucifer, who is the second of God's spirit children. I want you to get that. Jesus and Lucifer are both spirit children. That's the truth. He wanted to preach. And all humans followed after that. And the Trinity is three gods, not one God and three. Then along in 1879, Charles Russell came along, and he has a membership with 3 million now worldwide prominent in japan russell came along and he organized a buddy's bible study class as a teenager he had no formal training whatsoever no ministry experience whatsoever as a teenager and he began publishing a magazine called the zion's watchtower in which he discussed his interpretations of scripture he founded the watchtower bible and tract society the teaching the Watchtower Bible and Tract claims that it is the channel for the flow of all biblical truth to the world. There are no articles of faith, written doctrines. All beliefs are made clear in their publications. Followers do not believe in the Trinity of God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They do not believe that Jesus or the Holy Spirit are God at all. So these two common teachings have millions of people following them. And they say that salvation is not by accepting Christ. It's by the works that you do. They deny Christ's deity. They say his death was insufficient. It wasn't enough on the cross. Faith alone isn't their doctrine. I'd suggest if you really want to find out more about this, it's pretty amazing as Walter Martin wrote a book, The Kingdom of the Cults, the sixth edition. But I want to read from you Matthew 24, verses 3 through 5. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. They're talking to Jesus and say, hey, tell us, when will these things be? And what would be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And this is what Jesus responded to in verse 4 of Matthew 24. And Jesus answered them and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And they will deceive many, many, many people. September 22nd, 2020, is reported in the Guardian, Russian authorities mounted a special operation to arrest a former traffic police officer who claims to be the reincarnation of Jesus the Christ, based in the depths of Siberia for 30 years. He says, I'm not God. And it's a mistake to see Jesus as God. It's a mistake to see Jesus as God. But I am the living word of God, the Father, Everything that God wants to say, he says through me. Russian media reported that the original ideology of the cult, Vissarion, claimed Jesus was watching over people from an orbit close to earth. And the Virgin Mary was running my Russia. Fascinating. He later declared himself, yes, I am Jesus. His commune mixes a selection of rites drawn from the Orthodox Christianity with environmental edicts and a series of other rules. Veganism is enforced and monetary exchange is banned inside the commune. Followers wear austere clothing and count years starting from 1961 when he was born. While Christmas has been replaced by a feast of 14 days on January 14th, his birthday. I'm not kidding you folks. Believe it or not, some folks don't want to just realize that God said he loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son to die on a cross so that we would have eternal life. And not only that, but life to the fullest. The first theme of this book, and it's a a really amazing book, is to say, hey, look, don't listen to people without checking out the Scriptures. The Bereans of old were said to be of great worth because they read the Scriptures. And when someone's up here speaking to you, look through your Bible and see if what they're saying makes sense. See if it's from Scripture. See if Jesus is Lord and Christ through them. So in this first chapter, in verse 4, I want to give you a couple mentions of what he calls these folks. First of all, in verse 4, he says, these, these false teachers are ungodly. In verse 8, he says, these dreamers, they're not based in fact at all. They've got these dreams that they have invented. And in verse 12, he calls them spots and blemishes. This is God's word saying, hey, the last thing I want to be is a spot and a ble- blemish on God. I want to be someone who's washed white by the, the blood of Christ and cleansed through the Holy Spirit of God. And in verse 13, he calls them raging waves and destructive wandering stars. Think about raging waves and what happened through Louisiana and all that. Water, this is raging is destructive. And these wandering stars speaks about revelation and it speaks about the third of the angels that fell with Satan because they didn't want to worship and serve God. And, and it describes hell. And, and it says in Matthew 8:12, 22:13 and 25:30, "Hell is simply darkness with unquenchable flames that give off no light." I want you to think about that. Jesus is the light of the world, and hell is being separated from him in darkness, in darkness. How do you feel when you're in darkness? You feel lost. You feel alone. You feel vulnerable. And God doesn't want you to be lost, alone, or available, vulnerable. He wants you to to know that he's right there beckoning you to come unto him. He wants you to be closer than hands and feet. He wants you to to be like a little child that crawls up in his lap and he wraps his arms of love around you and, and says, Hey, listen to my heartbeat for you because I really care for you. You are significant. I do have a purpose for you. You don't want to be completely isolated. That's never of God. God never sent anybody out alone, always in twos and threes. He always said we need a family around us. We need those that divide the grief of life and double the joy of life. We need those that stand with us through thick and thin, that care about us. Compare the verses that talk about outer darkness, which is Matthew eight twelve. while the sons of the kingdom of evil will be thrown into the outer darkness. Matthew 22, 13. The, and then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into outer darkness. In Matthew 25, 30, and cast the worthless service in outer darkness. It's always talking about outer darkness. And yet God's word says in Micah 7:7, 7, 7, "But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me because he's listening for my voice. First Chronicles 28:20. 20, then David said to Solomon his son, Be strong and courageous and do it. That could be the theme of the return. Be strong, be courageous, get out there and do what God's given you to do. Do not be afraid. You know, in this world right now, there's so much fear. And it says, do not be dismayed. There's so many people are dismayed. Like, what's going on? Everything's unfolding the way God said it would unfold. He says, for us not to be anxious, not to be afraid. For the Lord God, even my God, is with you. Realize God will never leave you. He will never forsake you, ever. You'll never be without that light if you turn to it. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you until all the works for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. 1 Chronicles 28, 20. Until all the works of the service of the house of the Lord is finished. You guys are the house of the Lord. Principle number one. The truth I want to get across to you tonight. Know the truth of God's word. It will set you free from any bondage you've been in. You know. He says in verse, chapter 1 of Jude, verse 2, this is what God wants to give you. Mercy, peace, love multiplied to you. Listen to the truth of God's word. God wants to give you mercy, peace, and love multiplied to you. Contend for the faith, it says. Stand up for what's true. We see the Heavenly Father's heart for us throughout Scripture, from, from Genesis to Revelation, and you know, whenever God has a choice between mercy and judgment, if you give Him that choice, He will always, and remember, love always has a choice. If you choose God, He will always choose mercy over judgment for you. You don't have to walk around feeling condemned. That's what the world does, not what God does. And peace, Philippians 4, 6. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving and praise, let your requests be known to God. First John 3, 1. See what kind of love the Father has given us, and that we should be called the children of God. And so we are the children of God. The, world, the reason the world doesn't know us is because it doesn't know him. So when he tries to condemn you, just resist it. Be strong. So the second theme is to, to contend, to, to remain strong in the faith. So the second principle is finish strong. Finish strong. It doesn't matter how, what kind of start we got in life. What matters is how we finish the race in life and with whom we finish it. Somebody once said, you can't choose where you came from, but you can decide where you're going to go. You can't choose where you came from, but you can decide where you're going to go. Philippians 1.6. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, that God who began a good work in you personally, will bring it to completion on the day of jesus christ it's not about works it's about trusting and having faith in him principle number three truth number three god is going to keep you and will never ever ever reject you he will never reject you the world might reject you others might reject you but god will never reject you the greek word that says to contend earnestly in micah there i mean in jude there is it's all one word and it appears only once in the new testament and the, the principles of understanding Scripture and the importance of, of certain things in Scripture is the first time something's mentioned, it's incredibly important theologically. So when God says, hey, you know what? Fight for the faith. Contend for the faith. Stay strong. God will give you that strength. Principle number four, truth number four. Contend for that which is important and resist evil. We Live in an evil world. We live in a, a fallen world, and yet we serve a living God who makes us victors and not victims, who causes us to rise above the circumstances. I was talking to somebody the other day that was really struggling, and, and uh, you know, I said, hey, you've got, an, you've got, a, you've got an, a, a, a possibility here of having an attitude where you can bring others down with you, or you can have an altitude where you raise them up. It's your choice. So I was out in this hallway when this was Bethel Church. And I'd been diagnosed with a very rare and uh, serious form of cancer. And I let the congregation know. And I was out in this hallway after service one day. And I heard a name, John G. Lake. So I asked the other pastor, the associate pastor, I said, "Uh, so you told me about John G. Lake? He goes, I don't have any idea who you're talking about. So I thought about that. I thought, you know, I need need to kind of find out who John G. Lake was. So I just want to tell you a little bit about John G. Lake's ministry. Through John G. Lake and his ministries during his African missionary work from 1908 to 1913 and beyond, Dr. Lake played a decisive role in the spread of Christianity in Africa. He was in Southern Africa. And it was referred to as the most successful and influential Southern African religious movement of the 20th century. I had no clue who this guy was. My other pastor didn't either. Lake, in five years of ministry, was responsible for raising over 1 million converts to Christ, 625 churches, and 1,250 ministries. When Pastor Landon tells you That churches have been established overseas because of Bridge Church. When he tells you that that folks are being baptized and and lives are coming to Christ, don't minimize it. Realize you are a part of it, you're as significant as anybody else. And you can get excited about what God's doing here because I want to tell you, it's pretty amazing. It's off the charts statistically, but it's because there's men and women of God who love Christ more than they love life itself, who are willing to stand up for the faith, who are willing to contend for the faith, who are willing to say, this is my Christ whom I love. And you know what? He loves me, and he called me, and he set me aside to the sanctified part, and now he's going to preserve me until that day when I go to see him. And in the meantime, we've got work to do. And we need to be courageous, and we need to stand up, and we need to get out and do it. So when Pastor Landon asks you to participate, it's a privilege and a blessing to do so. Lake, in five years of ministry, a million converts, 625 churches, one thousand two hundred fifty ministries. Mahatma Gandhi said to have praised John G. Lake in his ministries and declared, Dr. Lake's teachings will eventually be accepted by the entire world. As believers, we come to understand that Jesus was the core and central of all that we do and all that Lake did. He said this declaration. He said, we will only ever teach and declare what the word of God clearly reveals. Yeah. Look at the fruit of that. Just following this scripture. Scripture is amazing. On one occasion, as the South African government was battling with the uh, many, many deaths from a deadly plague, which was sweeping through the area... Lake, wanting to go in and help the people of that area, he he went to the doctors and he scooped some saliva and foam from a dead man's mouth and told the doctors observe the disease under a microscope. They did so. After doing so, he took the foam into his hand and put it under the microscope and said, observe it now, and everything died. Yeah, you can clap for that. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the power of God. The disease was eradicated in his hand. And then he explained Romans 8, 2. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life which is in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. He explained how the life of God in a believer could eradicate sickness and disease. Hence the doctors allowed him to go and minister in the plague-riddled area. I got a few minutes. I'll tell you one other story which I've told you before but I, I think it's so significant. Um, Mother Teresa is one of my heroes of the faith and she went to a war-torn country which you would understand and recognize the name of and there were all kinds of stuff going on and Mother Teresa, knew know there were these disabled children in this other country and, and they weren't being cared for and she wanted to go across and, and you can see the bishop, the Catholic Church and all the officials saying, but Mother Teresa, you don't understand They're, and you hear the rockets, hear the fire, hear the bombs hear everything going off she goes, okay, I'll pray The next day there was a ceasefire and she went and got the kids. You see, she was just a simple servant of the Most High God, but we have to realize that we are privileged to be bond servants of the Most High God. You and I both. And God is no respecter of persons. Any one of us can follow after Him. So I want to give you a verse that, or rather a statement that John G. Lake made that I thought was really, really powerful. Do not, imprison the Christ in you. Do not imprison the Christ in you. Let him live. Let him manifest himself through you. Let him find vent through you. Take that into heart today. Let God find vent through you. Let God's word flow through you. So principle number one is you, you need to know the Bible, know the truth. It's going to set you free from any bondage the enemy's try to put on you, from any lies anybody's trying to tell you. And then number two is finish strong. It doesn't matter the start you got. It's how you run the rest of the race. Principle number three, God is going to keep you and he will never, ever, ever reject you or turn his back on you. Even if you turn your back on him, he's going to follow right behind you with those arms that were stretched wide on the cross of Calvary. So waiting for you just to turn around. Principle number four, contend for that which is important and resist evil. It will flee from you. Don't let it ever overcome you. Never stand alone. Stand with Christ and stand with your brothers and sisters. As John G. Lake said, do not imprison Christ in you. Let him live. Let him manifest himself through you. Let him find vent through you. Because you are significant. And you were called of Christ. And you were set aside. And you belong to him. And you are making a difference. Let's say the bridge declaration together. I want you to really incorporate this personally in your life. Make it a declaration of Christ in you. I am a bridge builder. This is my season of favor. I am blessed to live my best. I will choose to love Him first. I will worship fully, love deeply, and my community will thrive because I am praying for it. I am a carrier of peace. I will represent God's gentleness to myself and others. I will live out His gospel. I am blessed to live my best because I am a bridge builder. God bless you. We're so glad you joined us today. If you made a spiritual decision, whether that was dedicating your life to Christ or rededicating your life to Christ, send us an email at info at dot church and let us know you made that spiritual decision. Also, if you're joining our Bridge Church family online for the first time, we have a very special gift for you. Send us an email at info at to share some information on where we can send you that gift. We're so glad you joined us today, and we can't wait to see you soon. Be sure to stay connected, because we are so much better. Together. feels like this is what it is We praise you, this is what it is.